It's January 26th, 2022, and we are talking to Dominic Callis, the VP of Esports for TSM. This is the True Sight Podcast. Welcome to the True Sight Podcast by Oracle's Elixir, your source for in-depth analytical coverage of professional League of Legends and the rest of the esports world. I'm Tim at Magic Sevenhusen, and joining me today is TSM FTX's new Vice President of Esports, Dominic Callis. Welcome to the show, Dominic. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you joined TSM how long ago now? So mid-December, um, and it's been kind of, uh, I was allowed to run for about a month uh, underneath the shadows without the mm -hmm. public announcement, um, but then the announcement was made here mid-January, and so it's it's been good. It's finally uh, been nice to get the news out there and, and eventually, you know, start talking to people and, and, and start uh, networking and kind of building a lot of connections, which are necessary in the, this ecosystem, so. Yeah, so, so the TSM fans who are always, you know, ravenous for any news or anything going on, especially at the upper yeah. levels of the organizations, kind of a big deal so i'm sure they're starting to get to know you a little bit and in, in who you are but maybe we should just uh, launch in by by getting a little bit of that backstory about you learning a little bit about yeah. who you are where you come from um and and what led you to joining this role at tsm yeah definitely so um i started my career in um uh, venture capital and private equity so in uh predominantly the majority of my time was looking at old old software companies that were made in the 1970s 1980s and had kind of grown to a certain scale looking at taking a couple of those businesses putting them together turning it into something bigger and better um improving some of the operational processes and then you know eventually uh selling it to to another partner or, or just running it as a larger larger business and operation so that was a big part of my initial part of my career that i did that for three years years. Um, and during that time, four out of my five investments were on larger private equity deals, um, dealing a lot with uh, sourcing and, and uh, financial uh, analysis, market analysis, and all that sort of time. And when I was doing that, one of the areas that I was looking at was game design software, movie effects software, and obviously came across uh, esports, you know, probably around, uh, you know, 2015, 2016, around that time. And we started basically a project to uh, say, hey, we want to find the right entry point into esports, um, but we don't know quite where that is. So in the VC uh, ecosystem, what you'll do is something called an entrepreneur in residence, um, where you'll actually look to just go out and hire a good CEO um, to help build a company around that, invest in that, and then help grow it up to what it becomes. Um, we went through a bunch of candidates, uh, a lot of candidates that were even, you know, our senior executives now at other esports teams, um, but ultimately landed and partnered with Kevin Chu, who was the former uh, founder of Kabam Games, which, you know, had sold for, for billions of dollars and really, really smart guy, one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Um, and basically started with that, helped him build his first uh, pitch book uh, for KSV Esports, which then ultimately got invested in by, by my company, uh, Battery Ventures, um, and a few other partners and, and grew um, over that time. I was helping in the back end for the first six months, but then it basically ultimately ended up where I was spending a lot of time with KSV and Genji, um, uh, going through uh, the you know acquisition of Samsung Esports division and a lot of the PUBG teams that you know they were looking at bringing on uh, initial parts of the Overwatch League and stuff like that, um, and ultimately. Uh, asked and was kind of asked uh, by the uh, executive team there to come over and help kind of lead North America initiatives and, and help with sort of global expansion as well. So um, I joined KSV Esports, which then turned into Gen G Esports, spent three years there, um, was one of you know the earlier em employees there. And it's now, you know, north of 250, 300 employees. They've really, really grown and expanded mm -hmm. to be one of the biggest esports orgs in the world. Um, and I honestly was in a great spot and I don't think I would have ever left that spot, um, unless it was something really, really special. But when TSM comes knocking, it's a pretty loud knock. Um, and so I got, uh, uh, recruited by a recruiting form, uh, a firm called uh, new level recruiting. And they basically said, Hey, we need someone to come into TSM that, uh, can, can help oversee the esports uh, department division. And so that's, you know, why, why I kind of made that jump is I really think there's maybe one or two other esports orgs I ever would have considered and TSM was on that name. So 
Um, it was, it's been a great transition. There's a lot to do. I think the biggest thing that I want to communicate is, you know, what was really important to me is that TSM is very, very well capitalized and run very well from a financial standpoint. And so you don't ever need to worry about, you know, uh, a franchise going bad or, or something happening in the market, which would, you know, could potentially like end the org. Um, TSM is very strong from that uh, point of view. And also they have a really, really large organic fan base. Um, there's a lot of esports orgs out there who are, you know, trying to build that fan base. And you find out to build real people that care about your brand is really hard um and tsm had that and so the big thing that they were lacking is something that i'm really really good at which is you know basic operational processes ways about thinking of of scaling a company making sure that the foundation is strong that uh certain things are in place uh so that an org can succeed in, in a certain way and so um i've been doing that for the last six years of my career and it's something that i'm really looking forward to bringing here at tsm yeah, it's, it's really interesting, you know, I guess a way you could describe that is it's so difficult to kind of catch lightning in a bottle, but at a certain mm -hmm. point, then you have to build a stronger bottle, right? And the lightning exactly. is the hard part, but... Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I, I really do have to say, like, over the last five years, even, you know, post uh, the TSM's, you know, big run-up initial years in, in 14, 15, 16, it's, and then, you know, growing on top of that with, with Fortnite and, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of other initiatives, basically TSM grew so freaking fast that they didn't have the time to basically uh, put in a, a really, really strong um you know foundation within the org and set in certain operational processes which are really 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 important for a company to be around long term and, and that's the ultimate goal here right is for tsm yeah. to be around in 100 years and to be a brand that can be grow and establish well beyond its means just within esports so um i think that's something that they're looking to try to right size right now and and that's something that's really really exciting it's not just me coming aboard there's uh you know, two or three other names, which will hopefully be announced really soon, which are like going to bring a lot of sort of managerial power to the table um, and allow uh, a real sort of executive team to, to be built out, which before like it was growing so fast and uh, prior members who were here were doing such a great job of holding everything together as the growth was exploding. Yeah. Um, and so it's a good problem to have, but I think it's one of those things that those problems are sort of being addressed now. Um, and it is sort of a new era, right? There's a lot of fresh blood coming into TSM and, and making sure that we continue that growth and that momentum that was there before um, is something that's hard. Um, again, I think a lot of people view TSM as sort of the, the Yankees or the Dallas Cowboys that, you know, they've had a bunch of success previously um and but fans expect that you know winning to always continue to happen and so that's something i'm trying to work on um and trying to make sure that we have the right processes in place so that we can continue that winning and we have a, a structured format so that those sort of things can happen on a more regular basis and it's just not lightning in a bottle sort of scenarios yeah have you had much opportunity to kind of to learn about what led to yourself and the other executive team coming on? Because, you know, I imagine often when you have an organization like this that is founded by a player, right? Like Reginald created this because he was a player, he wanted a team, and then it all kind of led from there. And he didn't come in with a business background or things like that. And, you know, sometimes you see scenarios like this and, and the founder kind of picks that up along the way. Sometimes they continue to focus on other things and they know that yep. they have certain areas they need support with. Was Was it just a matter of... Uh, you know, that level of leadership saying, okay, we need someone to come in with to fill a kind of a gap in our skill set. Um, I think overall that I think the company and the industry as a whole realize that, you know, TSM really is probably the biggest esports org in the world right now, or if not, you know, one of the top three biggest esports orgs in the world. Yeah. I think Depending it basically got to it a little bit, right? Like it, you exactly. Get the stuff with exactly. A client or whatever, but they're such a different style of org entirely. So. It, it, exactly. But I mean, it's like you could even look at it in, in different ways. And there's mm -hmm. a bunch of different ways of how you actually frame that, that, that definition. But again, yeah, I view TSM. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think basically what happened is when you were the sole CEO sitting there and you're basically realizing is like, man, I got a lot of things that I need to accomplish and, you know, discussions with boards and all these sort of, sort of other things is like, man, I need to do a lot of it, but I can't do it all. Right. And I think mm -hmm. the realization basically was internally, it's like, hey, we really do need to invest in bringing in some strong people so that you know, uh, other members on the executive team can really focus on what they're good at and other initiatives that we're working on here internally, and then have certain people in certain positions that are able to focus on what they're really good at. And when you have people that that's their sole focus and they're in the right swim lanes, they can really do a great job at executing on that much better than one person trying to handle everything, in which sure. case, you know, some things may be dropped. 
Yeah, and I'm sure that's that's kind of the the more positive uh, impetus of it is you know things allow us to do more and do other ways. You know, the the less comfortable angle on it, I guess, the question that could be asked about it is obviously there's there's been some negative PR lately about about <laughs> Reginald and things around that. Um, is is there any element of uh, allowing the new executive team to be more in the spotlight and to add? new and different faces and allow kind of the, the leadership above that to kind of take a little bit more of a quiet spot. Yeah. And, and what I, what I can say personally is, you know, there, there's other things going on behind the scenes that I obviously can't speak about. Um, but to tell you the truth, my personal experience with everyone working here at, at TSM has been absolute freaking joy. There's a new level of energy and excitement really with, within the office here that I'm sitting with and dealing with people on a daily basis um, that I think while the ecosystem may see sort of a, like, you know, you know, maybe not have full visibility to that. What I can say here is like here within right now, it's like, it's a new era. There's new excitement. There's new people in here and it's, it's really rocking and rolling and we're excited for 2022. Um, so I, that's kind of my purview and visibility on it. It's like, we can always go back and look at history and look at other things that have happened. But my focus right now has always been on kind of the future and what's kind of could happen and the opportunities that could happen here and so from my purview it's like i think things are really being set up in a way where it, it will be really really exciting for not only tsm um internally but also externally for the fans and for the players as well um, there's a lot of changes being made and um i think it's all for the better and for 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 a great future here cool uh so as the VP of esports, I think you, you get a lot of different roles in these esports orgs, especially depending on what size they are, right? And you have different levels yeah. of leadership. You could have a VP who is basically the general manager of the team, building the roster and, you know, hiring the staff and so on. You could have a VP yep. that is much more organizational, organization level and overseeing, you know, hiring the general managers for 10 different game titles or whatever. What What is your kind of main role? What are your duties and responsibilities day to day? Yeah, so I think the best way to think about it is that I have a hundred things going on at the same time, and I'm trying to throw everything up in the air and make sure that I'm catching everything at the right time as it coming comes down. I'd say my big priorities over over the past month have definitely been on doing sort of a, a more deeper and full analysis on you know what are the current teams that we have or the current creators that we have, you know, building a little bit of that structure and thinking about the future there and the areas that we want to invest and other areas that we you know maybe. Um, you know, shifting resources around. Um, but then a other really, really big part of my day to day is hiring, right? Like to tell you the truth, we're doing a bunch of hiring. I, I think if anyone's seen on, on the TSM boards, it's, there's a lot of different positions that are being done here in, internally. And when you get to someone it, it, that's a, sort of my position, a lot of it is making sure that you have the right people around you, right? You're only successful as the people that are around you and really empowering that staff. And so setting up different structures, we're not you know, the team managers aren't working all on every single team at the same time and setting up swim lanes and making sure reporting lines are correct and all that sort of stuff, but also making sure that like my team feels empowered, feels like they have the agency to make decisions that they feel that's like they can come to me with cool ideas and, and want to do cool initiatives and then execute on those. And I think maybe in some other, um, you know, uh, in, in other situations that wasn't there before. And so changing that mentality, changing the culture is is a really, really big thing for me. I'm very much of, I think it's called servitude leadership in a, in a sense, sure. where it's basically um, my job is to help support my team managers, my middle managers, my GMs to help make the best decisions possible and help execute on those sort of things. Obviously, it's also my job to help challenge them and make sure that they're thinking about all the potential opportunities from that. But I found that empowering the people that work with you on, on a daily basis, you're going to create an amazing, amazing team that you can really go far beyond what, you know, was was just imagined before. Um, and then the other big part of my job is instilling a lot of operational processes that weren't here before. And so that means like really, really proper onboarding, offboarding, making sure the right software systems are, are in place, making sure that, you know, we're improving payment times that like all these things are like working before, but there's always, always better ways to do it and make it quicker and quicker and faster. And the, the more that you can do stuff like that and, and make some of these processes work better and faster allows you to spend more time to be creative and execute on a lot of these different areas uh, within the org. And so that's what I'm trying to work on on improving. Um, and I think when we get a lot of these processes done here in 2022, um, it'll really, really allow us to execute in some cool ways here uh, next year. But th these things take time, right? Like you're, you're, you're trying to turn a massive uh, company or a massive ship and, and that turn takes a little bit longer than um, yeah. you know you would sometimes like um, but you know we're, we're making great progress there so things are looking really good 
Yeah, it was just pulling up some of the, as you said, the on the hiring side, the job postings and things. Right now, it seems like it's in that kind of the content, marketing, apparel kind of space. Is yeah. how much of your attention is is focused on those kinds of kind of business aspects and and interacting with the fan base as opposed to the competitive side? Yeah, I, I'd say ninety nine percent of my time is really focused on esports, and it's it's focused on winning. But to tell you the truth, it's hiring in in different ways. So um, we'll I'll be able to share some some new hires uh, that are coming out shortly. Um, but you know we we made, uh, recently made a, a new hire this morning. Uh, you know James got announced as he's going to be coming on as you know an assistant uh, coach here for the team. He was previously a team manager, but you know we found a really really good role for him that I think can be in a way that can empower Chowie to, to, you know, really execute on his goal and, and all these sort of things. There's going to be some different areas and some different projects we're working on here internally. Um, but again, bringing on new coaches, bringing on some of these other things that may not be put in, in a public hiring basis, but there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of hiring and in, in thinking of future planning of where where we might have had holes and where we need to fill those holes. And so, again, there's a lot that goes up to even putting a job posting live on the website, right? You got to think yeah. about and get approvals and, and all these sort of things. And so, again, that, that that's where I spend a big part of my time. And it's not the fun, sexy part. Um, I think a lot of people outside of esports think that, you know, the entire esports team sits around a big conference table and 95% of our day is talking about roster and player changes. It's not that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So the majority of my time is, is setting up calls. It's, it's it's, it's networking. It's it's working with other executives to find out what they need in, in their different deport departments and how esports is integral to what they're doing on their initiatives, um, and making sure that you know communication processes, all these things are kind of getting done on on a regular basis. And I, it seems like I'm just using that as like a safe catchword, but it, it really is a big part of what we're working on here. Yeah, no, I I know what you're getting at, and I, it's definitely not you know just washing over certain things. Yeah, the yeah the getting yeah getting postings together and getting people to have good meeting practices and all that kind of stuff is is can be really challenging so especially yeah, it may- in the esports industry. <laughs> yeah, and making sure there's good communication across the board, right? Like, there, there's a reason that I chose this desk out here. I was offered an office. And for me, it's really, really important to be able to sit here to communicate with the with the mm-hmm. coaches, with the players, with um, everyone that comes up and around. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it can get loud. But to tell you the truth, like, a big part of, like, improving things and, and making uh improving in processes is communication and so if i'm can sit here and i can communicate with everyone that makes my job a whole lot easier as well have you uh, noticed that you have to s- kind of swim upstream much on some of that communication stuff because in my experience in the esports industry that has been a real uphill battle for several years uh, I think it is. Um, and to tell you the truth, I'm going to be blunt and honest. And it's like TSM hasn't been the best on communicating not only with fans, but with media and a bunch of different bases. Um, and so a lot of what I've been doing is reaching out to different media agencies such as yourself, you know, Hotline League, um, and also some of the large uh, firms, you know, Bloomberg, Reuters, um, Yahoo on, on that sort of basis too. And basically saying, hey, you know, I'm open to talk, I'm open to be a communicative person and um, sort of reestablish a lot of those relationships. Um, so if someone sends again, you an email, you're going to answer it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, I think I think I have been trying my best at least once a day, you know, during my dinner time to communicate also in the TSM discord, trying to be a little bit more active on, on social media and, and try to be that again, I'm not going to be the fix to it all. And, and there's going to be uh, some weeks where I am so busy and heads down that I won't be able to do that. Um, but I think just trying to be as transparent as possible and try to communicate with uh, uh, as many partners and people as possible is, is going to be an important part of, of, of my job going forward as well. Great. Um, looking back to some of the, the time that you've had with you know KSV and Genji and, uh, and now what you're doing here so far, I know it's still early, but are there any really noticeable differences you're seeing between the way this org runs and the way your, your previous experience has within the same industry? Yeah, it's it's just different goals and and what people are trying to achieve at the end, right? Um, I think a lot of esports orgs, or at least the top esports orgs, have built side businesses um, around them of like what they're trying to become mm-hmm. successful at, right? I'd say Fnatic is is more you know on their hardware business, and mm-hmm. you know a uh, hundred thieves is more on lifestyle, and Genji was more on the education basis, and here at TSM it's definitely around you know software and websites and stuff like that. So I think all when you have different 
different sort of side goal initiatives that you're helping and growing. And you also have different teams. You're going to have different mm -hmm. goals and objectives and initiatives. Um, so I'd say, yes, of course, there's going to be a bunch of differences there. But I'm also trying to take a lot of my learnings from Gen G and what they've done very, very well and try to implement that there. Arnold Herr was one of the best bosses that I've ever had. And I learned a lot from him and can give him nothing but praise. Um, but, you know, the, the program that you know, he helped set up with our GM over there through, um, you know, building out the academy team and, and a focus on developing players and, um, you know, the success that we had basically within one year already winning summer and, you know, driving a lot of those players into the LCK was something that I was really, really, you know, uh, in, inspired by and, you know, helped a little bit in the initial process. You know, we, we talked to a, a scout from Arsenal to, to help sort of start that and kickstart that initiative. Um, but to try to do similar stuff here to really focus on building and developing the next generation of talent is, I think, something Gen G did very, very well. And, you know, I want to focus on working here. And I think there's a few different ways to do that. And again, you deal with different limitations being in the LCS. But I've also noticed coming here to the LCS that all the owners genuinely do care about, um, you know, building NA players and building and growth and development. And, I mean, you see that with EG. I think you've seen that with TSM. And I think you see that with a few other orgs. Um, and that's really, really cool to see because, again, that's a passion of mine as well. Yeah, cool. We'll see if we can get into that topic anymore because you obviously know that I, I'm big on the NA talent side of things and development. And, yep. and I think having yeah. the orgs invested in that is super, super important. Um, yep. But but maybe speaking a little bit more to as you said the the goals the different orgs have, uh, you know, aside from kind of those those bigger picture kind of software goals, obviously you've got you know the the Blitz app and and all some other websites that TSM that some people might not even know TSM owns all these different websites. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Maybe speaking a little bit more in the competitive space and on the esports side, what are some of the big goals that you're hoping to achieve over the over the the coming year with TSM? Yes. Yeah, so when you walk into TSM, and again, we have an amazing, amazing facility here, there's a massive trophy case on the side. And a big part of what is filled in that trophy case was, you know, the old 2014, 2015. No, I think it may even be before then. Um, 2014, like CSGO, uh, some of the sure. old uh, trophies that were there. But then th what is most prominently presented is the seven LCS championships, right? Like this is what TSM is known for is winning and dominating North America. Um, and yes, there may be small gaps here in between where we didn't win an LCS championship, but almost every single year TSM was winning, right? Um, and so I think the, the biggest goal for me is to continue to add not only League of Legends trophies to that massive uh, trophy case, but to continue to add trophies from other tier one games and in all of our other titles that were in there, right? We had a great start to 2022 with, you know, our Apex team winning the North American Championship. And, you know, so one down, but I think there's many, many more trophies to go here uh, across all of our different titles uh, and really focus on delivering meaningful wins for for the TSM fan base is, uh, is basically my main priority um, and then also making sure that we're activating on our amazing creator group as well right I think it's something that has struggled a little bit over the past couple of years and, and we're hoping to really uh, revitalize and, and really focus on you know the the amazing creators we do have here as well so yeah I'd love to dig a little bit more in a minute into the kind of the, the league side specifically but yeah on some of those other games, so you mentioned you've got an Apex Championship, um, you know, you've, you've got teams in the spaces you've had. Fortnite Presence, I believe uh, there was another team just announced recently. I don't know if you want to speak to that. Yeah, yeah. So we just announced our, our, our Dota 2 team. Um, and uh, for for the uh, people out there, there was never a restriction of you can't be in in uh, an LCS owner and you can, uh, to be in Dota and all that sort of stuff. Again, I think both ecosystems have, or I mean, both games have their own ecosystem and yeah. are amazing and what they do right um for us this is a really really exciting roster that we think uh can dominate uh, not only north america but make a really really deep uh run at the international as well um it's a different game right and they have their own different challenges and we understand those challenges and we understand that it's been kind of rough within you know the dota scene um but we hope you know, hopefully that us coming into the ecosystem, helping give, you know, North America a little bit of a boost of enthusiasm around Dota um, uh, is, is great. I don't think you can just... 
you, you don't just need to be a League of Legends fan or just a Dota fan. I think you could be fans of, of multiple different MOBAs and understand the differences and appreciate those differences in, in understanding that they're, they're different games. But again, they both draw tier one viewership, which, you know, is, is a million or above, you know, on uh, ACV and peak basis. So um, I, I think that's that's the really, really imp- exciting part for us is because we feel being in this ecosystem allows us to drive a lot, a lot of value for our partners, um, a lot, a lot of value for our fans. And also there's there's a there's a line of sight here to also win a bunch of North American championships. And, you know, maybe even, you know, if, if the coin flips the right way, make a, a, a shot at, at the international title as well. You never know how that can go. So yeah. um, a really, really good group of guys, really, really motivated. And I think that was a big part of us, you know, really wanting to partner with them is that we had a line vision. They were all really motivated. We were all focused on the same things here. And it wasn't about other external things outside the game. Um, it really was focusing on, hey, let's do something special here together. How does an esports brand make the the most of this opportunity to be present in all these other titles? Because it's something that doesn't exist in traditional sports, really. You don't have, yeah. you know, an American football team that is also a basketball team with the same brand. You got the same city, but it's it's such a different thing. How do you really leverage that unique opportunity? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I think it's really thinking about each uh, opportunity uh, differently, right? Like if you try to think of every game the same, you're you're bound for failure. Um, and so I think even TSM is going through that, that thought process right now of like, hey, do we want to be in every single title possible or do we want to be in a, in a good select group of tier one esports um with you know some other titles underneath there that are doing very very well and delivering a ton of value and then activate around creators right and so i think it's like that is is what people are are trying to think about and and wrap their head around there is no perfect model there is no manual for this right like everyone is figuring out what makes them special and what's right to them um i think for us i think we saw in a specific opportunity where we could get into a tier one esport we could have a chance at winning we could deliver a bunch of value um and uh uh, that for us is important, right? And, and winning and delivering value for partners um, are two very, very important uh, things for us. And so um, also winning helps, you know, grow the fan base and, yeah. and grows sort of the ecosystem is that as well, right? Like, I mean, you saw the all, all the orgs that when we came into Dota yesterday were welcoming us and saying, hey, we're really excited to have you in the ecosystem. Multiple different owners reached out to us and it's like, hey, this is amazing, you guys. Let's talk about ways that we can partner and do all these sort of things together. Esports orgs rarely are sitting there looking for the doom and the failure of other esports orgs again Mm -hmm. all you know water rises all ships um and so for us it's like it's just it's it's a really really amazing opportunity to get with new partners a new ecosystem and engage with with a new group of fans and continue to grow tsm uh not only domestically but globally as well are there any uh things you've seen kind of on on that front uh that that help to kind of transfer organizational pride or fan base is it just like logo recognition is it things like the tsm chant you know showing up at a non-league event like what are yep. what are some of the things that you notice and you go ah oh, this is working we're really we're really making you know having our presence felt in other spaces yeah i think it's it's it comes through social engagement um online engagement as again a majority of society moves toward online and engaging mm-hmm. through online communication being able to see that level of engagement online is is help what drives a lot of like hey are we heading in the right direction right and i cannot wait to get back to lands i again mm-hmm. lands just changed a total different way and feel of a viewing of an esport but yeah. again if you get into if when people talk about lands that they remember and things that they never forget, it tends to be lands of tier one esports, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, something for me that I will never ever forget is I went to 2019 Worlds when it was G2 versus uh, FPX. And before the first game had ever been played, the stadium was just shaking with French fans and it was the rowdiest thing that I've ever seen. And it was so loud, it was deafening as you could be. And like, it was it was an unreal experience. And that's something we all wanna get back to as well, right? Um, but that sort of winning and, and winning at the highest level is what draws that level of excitement in that fan base. And I think that's what we're targeting, you know, here going forward. Sure. Yeah. So let's let's get into League of Legends a little bit more. Let's let's talk yep. some details there. So, of course, you know, you're talking about this new energy and, and it, some new faces and, and new executive team coming in. Uh, and there were some very new things about the TSM League of Legends roster build this past offseason. Uh, you know, importing two yep. players from the LDL, which is something that hasn't happened in a long time. Uh, having a little bit of a younger focus in the academy roster as well, replacing Hanser and Cody's son with, you know, Viper, another veteran, but not quite to the same level. And then Instinct, a, you know, a, a brand yep. new 
um, incoming player. W- what can you tell us about kind of the, the mindset for these changes? Was this a conscious effort to like, hey, we're going to reinvent ourselves and take a new a new direction, especially with Bjergsen leaving? Um, so I think a lot of these decisions were made much prior to, to, to my arrival. And so um, while I, I don't want to take credit for that, and I think a lot of stuff is, is like, again, I think I really want to help execute on, on some other plans that are laid out before me. But I think, you know, Parth has done an amazing job with that. I think him working hand in hand with Chowie and with Peter on a lot of these initiatives to, to really push forward the team. Um, also, you know, Kazen, um, uh, you know, Haytham have also been in, instrumental into kind of helping and building this this roster and this idea um and i'm i'm really really excited about it i think the big core thing that i want to push going forward is even on our um you know lcs team um it is the idea that hey we didn't want to bring over imports who thought I've made an amazing career at my, in, within my ecosystem, and now I'm coming here to North America to retire. These two yeah. young guys are as hungry as ever. They've never been given a shot, you know, with, within their own region, and this is an opportunity for them to really show off and, and pop off. And they're really, really excited. Um, I'm, I'm really, really uh, happy and excited about. It. Again, this is going to take a little bit of time to get everyone on the same page with synergies and communication and all that sort of stuff. It's been going well and improving day over day. But again, this is not something that's going to be an overnight success. Um, and so I think the exciting part for me is that we're going to really, really see the growth and development of this team uh, throughout the season. I think having a lot of new faces here helps keep that energy and positivity when things may not be clicking immediately. And and so that's what I'm really, really excited about here. On the academy side, I think um, the team really, really stood up when they were called upon, and I couldn't be prouder of them. Um, I think the biggest part for me is that these guys basically found out due to other situations that were going on with our team that they were going to have to not only play in the lock-in but also you know start on the academy basis and that meant uh, a ton of games and a ton of prep and it was you know birth by brimstone um and they stood up to the challenge i mean they took down a starting lcs roster um with everything that they've been working together that you should have seen it around here i mean the guys were excited they were jumping up and down and all that sort of stuff and yeah, they had some some rough losses in there, but to tell you the truth, the big takeaway from me is that they learned something from every single one of those losses, um, and and you know will make themselves better for it this season. Um, we're really really excited. I mean, some of the names that you've mentioned, you know, Tony and and and, and Viper and and all the other guys have been great personalities here in the office. I think you know Viper is you know really established and a great leader on this team, um, and and brings a sort of energy and positivity. I mean, look, he has two brothers that are basically amazing, amazing North American talents, right? It's like I want to know what they're feeding their kids for breakfast because <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. But I think you know even on that sense i think a big hope for me is making sure that the guys not only learn and develop the season but finding ways to um you know help make them excited about being in the ecosystem as well right like i would absolutely love if we could go back uh, and have these guys playing on stage have you know viper's parents come out and see um you know their their kid play play on you know a major stage and, and all that sort of stuff there's a bunch of cool family history and legacy sort of stuff there too he's a great guy as well um and everyone else on that team has been nothing but positive and, and exciting as well so I, I i again the hardest part of my job is i really do view it as like i'm a dad of 135 different kids and I really do want to take care of every single one of them. But sometimes, you know, I need to do what's in the best interest for the Oregon. So I can't do that on a, on a regular basis. And so but just making sure that these guys are, are taken care of, they're well um, supported. And I think making sure they have good agents and they're being well supported on that basis. They that I, I think a lot of that those are initiatives or things I'm going to push for this year as well, that, you know, they, they're not only supported in game, but out of game. And sometimes that always can't be done by the org. And, and a lot of time that needs to be done by agents and making sure that these guys have good representation representation that you know they feel supported by as well mm-hmm. yeah i think um one of the things that that when you look at tsm and especially over the past few years you can definitely recognize that the org doesn't hold back on its effort level and its investment in trying to find the right players uh and you know what whatever you feel about some of the specific choices that have come out of these efforts you know you can't uh you know downplay the efforts you with things like massive scouting combines uh, going to other regions and holding scouting co- combines there and boot camping and all those yep. kinds of things. Uh, what can you tell us a little uh, at all about the effort level that went into 
into this roster and specifically to kind of the, the scouting efforts for these newer players? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I can't speak, again, too much to it. Um, I, I think the biggest uh, thing that I can share about it is there were a bunch of people that were invited to these scouting combines. It was a really, really rigorous process. Um, Parth and, and Case and, and Peter did an amazing job uh, pulling this all together. Um, you know, I, I, I know that you know, Parth was in Korea and China and in all over the world uh, working on kind of getting this done in the off season. And I think it was something we were trying on the first basis. But I also want to make it clear out there that just because a player didn't get invited to a scouting combine or, or didn't get invited to something like this meant that they failed and we weren't taking a look. From my understanding, we were taking literally a look and an opportunity at everybody and anybody and just kind of getting, these were ways to collect a bunch of data very, very quickly. Um, and so um, we may continue to do things like that in the, in the future. Um, but what I can say is that um, I think it gave us confidence that this was the right strategy that we could you know, build something special around long term, right? Like, I don't think uh, you'll see us, you know, quickly flip flopping uh, with different strategies or ideas like this. I think, uh, again, with with Chowie at the helm here and, and helping execute his strategy and his, um, you know, his way of coaching um, with young talent that's hungry and aspirational with North American talent that, you know, can can communicate and, and help build around that as well. I think we have something special here when, when everything starts clicking. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and how does... Um... You know, there's a difference between kind of these trial processes and so on and then, then boot camps once you actually have the team yep. set up once you know who the players are that you've selected uh putting them into a really intense training environment for a while um what has been done around boot camping uh coming into this year yeah so i think it's been pretty public um but you know covid screwed us pretty hard um on our whole plans and initiatives we were basically supposed to have you know everyone inside of um you know china uh to be boot camping together and ran into a lot of issues i mean almost all tied yeah. to, to covid and into visa issues um but again a big part of me coming in is, is helping already change those processes and making sure we're, we're in a good place going forward um and a big part of that i mean a big reason almost all North American teams are, are boot camping uh, in, in different areas. It's just not a lot of North American teams stay here during the off season. And so it's a good way to get confirmed really good scrim practice with, with other partners that are going to be staying in their home regions and they can work and practice with in a different environment. Every single sports team does this, right? Like NBA teams travel to different areas. MLB teams uh, travel to different cities and do spring training and all that sort of stuff. And so we're going to be working on, on implementing that and, and making that a process going forward as well. So our LC Yes, team will be traveling, you know, to China every December, um, where guys uh, will, will basically spend the whole month uh, boot camping there, um, and then making sure that they're coming back here to North America when other North American teams are coming back to make sure that we're we're practicing in our local market together after all of our learnings from our boot camp. But it also takes a lot of time and prep to make sure that you're ready and you have everyone signed and you're all ready to go by you know early December to make that happen. So I'm already starting on that now. Our head of China is already working through different boot camping locations and spots and activities things that we can be doing there and then our around our academy team this was the first year that we sent them to korea to boot camp during the off season it was really really successful uh the guys really worked well together and it was a good bonding environment they were able to get daily scrims against multiple different partners uh, of lck and uh, lck challengers uh league players that were basically there and you know willing and available to, to scrim with them. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from this. I think a lot of people are like, oh, put them in, you know, better solo queue environments and all that sort of stuff. It's like, no, like there's it's there's a decent solo queue environment here. Yes, there's not as many players or, or different, but the big part of it for me on, on a competitive and, and like planning basis is to schedule regular daily scrims that these guys have really good teams that they can practice against on a daily basis. And here in North America, sometimes that means that if everyone else is boot camping around the world, I only get that opportunity with two or three different teams, right? And that can make it difficult. So this is just more optionality and more options for our players. Um, sorry, I got off track there. The academy teams are also had an amazing time boot camping in Korea. So we want to continue that process going forward. And we'll have our academy teams uh, in Korea between spring and summer and uh, during December as well uh, to continue kind of their efforts and growth and development uh, there. Again, uh, 
during the season, we really, really want all of our guys on the LCS team and our academy team really working on Champions queue, which will hopefully be coming soon here, um, and really working on improving the solo queue and, and practice environment here in North America. There's talent here in North America. There are very good players. When we at Gen G were preparing against Cloud9 for, um, you know, last year, it's like we did not sleep on those guys. Like there's good players uh, on on all of these, I'd say, top five North American teams, um, and any one of them can make a deep run given the right time, given the right prep at Worlds. And so I think there's also just been a little bit too much hate of the LCS. The LCS has actually been doing a really, really good job. Um, and so I think a big part of my initiative here is also changing that mentality a little bit. It's like, I think a lot of these guys kind of go with already weights put on their shoulders walking into worlds being like oh you're not going to make a deep run it's like no there's good players here it's just let's change a couple things let's change a couple of processes here and we we can continue to be a top contending region as well so cool yeah do you think you know the ability to to go after these kinds of boot camps and send the teams around the world for these different things is that somewhere that tsm has an advantage just given like the size of the org and the resources you have available or is that something that yeah that you think is just like, you know, obviously some other orgs are doing similar kinds of things, their own flavor of it, but not every org seems capable of doing this. Is is that a difference in will and planning or is it a difference in resources where you think you have an advantage? I think it's a combo of both, right? Um, and so, uh, again, I think uh, TSM very much is like the Yankees or the Dallas Cowboys or, you know, in college football, like an Alabama or Oregon, right? Like we do have resources. and But, I mean, that comes from a long history of, of winning and being successful and, and being able to do these sort of things. So I think our biggest initiative is continuing to, to find ways to get better and improve um, and continue on those sort of things and understand that there's different teams with different goals and different strategies and different resources, right? And again, my big focus is focusing on TSM and how to make TSM successful. Um, and, and obviously working with the LCS and thinking about ways that us as, as a collective can can do some really big and uh, exciting things in the future. But again, I'm not spending too much time really focusing on other team socials or what they're doing on, on that sort of basis. It's really thinking about, hey, how do we take TSM to that next level to already be two or three steps ahead of everybody else? Um, not because we're trying to be two or three steps ahead of ourselves, but we're focusing on ourselves and can think about that forward planning. Yeah, for sure. Uh you've had this comment a couple of times and I think it's one that is very common in, in, in the community about, you know, TSM being kind of that New York Yankee style organization. Uh, and I think often when people bring that up, it's a bit of a double edged thing, right? Like being the big behemoth that everybody looks at and says the gay they've got, you know, they could just sign all the best players whenever they want. Everybody wants to play there if they can, they've, they've got yeah. the money, but then you have the other side of it, of it, it kind of tends to be the team that either you love or hate. Right. And you've got yeah. the very vocal fan base. You've got the very vocal anti fan base. What are some of the things you've seen around that um, coming in and maybe being on the inside of TSM as opposed to seeing it from the outside before? Yeah, definitely. Um, and what I can basically tell to every single fan out there is money does not buy winning championship teams. Um, and uh, again, I think the best case example for that is, you know, when I when we were or when I was still at Battery Ventures and, you know, Kevin Chu and, and, and that group was working on stuff like we acquired the X you know, championships, the Samsung Galaxy team ran the same exact team back with the same exact players in that sort of basis and did not have the best result, right? Um, and so what I can say is that like money doesn't buy championships. It's a lot about culture. It's picking up the right players who are working with the right players at the right time. It's about motivation. It's about a lot of these different things that are intangible and it's hard to measure on. But again, that's my job. That's what, what I'm supposed to be here and, and help make sure that all those chemicals to the recipe are correct and so that you can build a championship team. Um, and I I think there's a lot of other top tier esports orgs out there that are doing that same exact thing and have that same aligned goal right um and it, it, it is a double-edged sword right because if you look at the the you know the some of these other large sports orgs that have had a long history of winning there's a continued expectation to always continue to be winning right it's it's not just okay to make playoffs at the lcs level right like it's ex expectations to not only win north america but then make deep runs at worlds right um and so again i think a big part of my job is also continuing to keep those expectations but making it sure that it, it's being done in a way that i'm also putting in the work so that we can continue to reach that level of success um, because it's a it's a it's an initiative that's going to take everyone's uh, you know effort here within the org. It's not just a single person, and so um, yeah, that's that's kind of my point on that. Yeah, I think there's a certain set of expectations that can come up within the fan base when you yeah. are in this role in the in the in the scene. 
Uh, and, you know, maybe the fans start to expect that you can just get whatever player you want and that money will just buy those players and that your brand will just buy them. Oh, of course they're going to want to leave that team and play for us. Um, yeah. you know, maybe the clearest example being this offseason, how many TSM fans I saw um, enthusiastically and just expecting, for example, oh, buy Danny from EG, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Look how great he was in his first split, so we'll just get him. Um, yeah. How do you manage those kinds of expectations when you, you go in and you look at it and then you... You know, the, the fans think this is obviously feasible and we can do it. We're TSM. Just give them however much money they want, but you still have to manage against, well, the other work want to sell them. Will the player actually want to come here? Does it fit our plans? Like, And then they might come in and be disappointed just because they built up this idea of what they think is the best move. And maybe it's not even the best move. I don't know. But yeah, definitely. I, yeah how do you kind of manage that, that set of expectations? Uh, I think uh, it's almost impossible to, um, but in the best <laughs> way possible, it's it's trying to be uh, as communicative as you can with the fan base in the community as possible, right? Um, and also understanding that every single esports org out there, um, or at least you know the, the top ten to fifteen esports orgs in the world, all have the same goal to winning, be winning on a consistent basis, right? Um, no one here is here to just ship it in and um, you know just. You know, everyone wants to win. Let me just keep it as clear as that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, I think maybe what was lacking before is a little bit of com communication. Um, and communication can help set expectations, right? Um, and if you do that in an effective way, I found out that the fan base can actually be very receptive to that. Yes, they're going, people are passionate about this team and care about this team. And that's what we want. And to tell you the truth, there's going to be losses and people are going to be very upset about certain losses, right? And I understand that. And to tell you the truth, it's like, it's, it's, totally fine to act uh, or like it's totally fine to be upset again to a certain line to a certain level um but i also think that um negativity can t sometimes be snowballed if there's no communication process that's going on at the same time right if it's basically it's loss after loss after loss after loss and there's no communication on why this is happening or what's going on internally again you can't share everything internally like there's a lot of yeah. things that must stay private not only for the benefit of the team but also for the player itself right um where you know the player may be in the wrong but the org is just being quiet because again they don't want the player to get flamed and for this become to become a worse issue right um and so it's doing that to the best of your ability which is a really really hard thing to do um but i think setting you know expectations communicating with the community understanding uh, helping them understand why certain decisions were made will really really help go a long way um and i, I think that's something that i real realized even at, at the lck um where you know you got to the point where like we had hate trucks sent to genji right and so yeah. um understanding that like being communicative to a fan base uh, early on and trying to be an open resource and again i answer most of my dms if they're respectful and, and done in a certain way if you reach out via email and i'll try to do the best to share it to my capabilities and it may not be the answer that you're looking for but at least i'm going to try to communicate with you and help try in the best of my ability to explain what i can explain um and i can't do that to almost anybody and everybody but i think that's something special that i can contribute to this community that's not available in big four major sports right like you can't just you know <laughs> text bill belichick or message bill belichick and be like yo why'd you make this decision right like yeah some of these things i can't provide that much detail on um but hopefully i can do it to the best of my abilities and hopefully <laughs> the fans at least see that i'm caring because again that's what fans want they care about the, this team they care about these players and they just want to see that management cares the same amount of way yeah for sure um on the other side of that, you've got kind of the anti-fans, right? Like managing TSM fans is one thing, but you've got the anti-fans who just want to see TSM fail. Hey, anyone but TSM, uh, I can't stand their fans. They're so, you know, whatever. Um, is that something that, like, like how do how does that uh, resonate with you? Do you kind of appreciate the opportunity to have anti-fans who at least, you know, at least you care about us in one way or another? Or is it is it a purely negative thing? To tell you the truth, I haven't actually put too much thought into that. Um, and I think the the main thing that I've always been focused on is like communicating with the people who do want to communicate with you know TSM, which is you know usually through uh, the, the the Discord or, or reaching out directly. Mm -hmm. um, but I think. And no matter what you do, whether that's in esports, whether that's in sports, whether that's in business, like you're always going to have people who want to see you fail and will come out of the woodwork when you are failing. And that's just normal. Like, and I think the big thing that I'm just trying to be is like, I'm just trying to be a good guy, treat everyone as nicely as, as possible, treat everyone with respect, try to communicate with people. And if you're coming and you're hating after me, after like 
based on something that happened with the org, you know, years ago. I, I think it's 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 you're not giving me a fair shot. And so again, I don't expect people to give me a fair shot, but I think it's one of those things where it's just like understand it's like it's different people here. There's there's new things going on here. Um and give it a year. Let's see where things go here at TSM. Um, this is a new era and there's a lot of exciting things that are coming out of this. And so maybe you hated the old TSM, but maybe this new TSM is something you can like and get behind. And so that's that's all I'm asking for the people who maybe have uh, you know a strong disdain for TSM. <laughs> Yeah, well, like them or hate them, you're going to hear from them either way. So <laughs> it's just the way it goes. And uh, yeah, that uh, the the TSM Discord definitely a fun place to pop into now and then. I like to do so, yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, see what they say, how they respond to things. And and I think you know, my experience with that has been, I think it, it speaks to a lot of what you've been talking about. Where um, you can have people who, as, as a content creator too, who totally love or hate your work. But yeah. going in and making yourself present a little bit and saying like, oh, hey, hi, not even saying anything or, you know, um, answering a few basic questions and so on. And it can really change the perception um, and not, you yeah. know, not win everyone over and not everybody's going to love you all the time. But um, 100%. yeah, it can definitely shift things. And I think that's something that being in kind of the journalist community or content creator community um, and, you know, and we've discussed a little bit off the, off the air as well, but, you know, the, the relationship that has sometimes existed between that, that area and TSM in the past, right before you were involved Definitely. at all, seeing that kind of move in a positive direction and change is something that I'm very excited about. And I'm sure a lot of others are as well. And, and I hope it'll be good for the fan base. So good. yeah, good, I really good, appreciate good. you being present for this and, and, and you were the one who reached out to me first and, and, and it seemed like a good opportunity to, to have this conversation. So, so thank you for yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. And look, I, I love all the work you've done around, you know, L LCS Academy and, and, you know, highlighting new players that are coming up in the ecosystem. You know, some of the times that you've been on Hotline League and a lot of different areas like that. Again, I think it's just shedding that positivity and that light on, on some of these guys who may not be getting that initial exposure is really, really cool and also needed in this ecosystem, right? If you want people to invest in North American talent, you also got to shed light on who, well, who are the North American talent and who are the up and coming players. And so whether it's on TSM's team or on, you know, another LCS uh, orgs academy team uh, or, you know, someone who's just doing really, really well in, in solo queue. I think shedding light on um, those cool stories is, is something you do a really, really good job at and want to continue to, to, you know, support and uh, help in any way possible. Cool. Yeah. So again, thank you for, for uh, sharing this time with me and, and, and with uh, whoever's watching or listening with this as well. Is there, is there anything you'd like to kind of shout out a message you'd like to leave with the TSM fans uh, before we wrap up? Um, no, I, uh, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I think, uh, the thing, the thing I want to uh, share is, is again, um, a lot of these changes and a lot of things that are, are taking place right now take time, right? Um, where we, we have a lot of, lot of excitement, uh, a lot of exciting things coming up here. Uh, TSM is an org, you know, from Dota to League of Legends to Valorant, uh, and many, many other titles. Um, but also a lot of the changes in, in fixing a lot of the processes that need to be put in place takes time, right? And and so I think VIEW 2022 is a year that we're, we're going to have a lot of wins and there's going to be a lot of excitement coming. Um, but we're also going to suffer some tough losses and there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, pain points coming uh, as we kind of make some of these corrective changes. Um, and so as that happens, just please be, please be understanding and be supportive as much as, you know, possible and in understanding that, you know, 2022 uh, is going to be exciting, but 2023 should even be better so uh, i'm really really excited to be here really really excited to to be working with such smart and talented individuals here at tsm and you know the future is really really bright for tsm um and there's a lot of exciting things happening here so uh hope hope if you're if you're a bandwagon fan now's the time to jump aboard <laughs> great well that's gonna that's gonna do it for us for now uh you can support the true site podcast at patreon.com slash oracles elixir you can subscribe to the show on spotify Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts, as well as at anchor.fm slash truesite. And make sure you check out the Oracle's Elixir Discord server, where we talk about League of Legends esports, data science, and more. Just added a food channel, which was at uh, high demand. So, you know, we're, we're growing. We're buzzing. Uh, links for all those things will be in the show notes uh, and, and to follow uh, uh, Dominic on, on Twitter as well. This has been the Truesite Podcast, and I'm Tim Sevenhusen. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.